Welcome to Inside the Barn. I'm Sam Wobermeyer. Today I'm joined by Lake Superior State University head coach Damon Witten. Damon took over the program in 2014 and has taken the Lakers to national prominence they haven't achieved since their national championship winning teams of the early 1990s. Last season, the Lakers won the WCHA playoff championship and made the NCAA tournament for the first time in 25 years. A native Michigander, Damon played at Michigan State from 1997 to 2001, winning three CCHA regular season and playoff championships while appearing in two Frozen Fours. He'll now lead the Lakers into their next chapter as they move into the new CCHA this fall. In May, Lake Superior announced a multi-year contract extension that will keep Damon in Sault Ste. Marie until at least 2028. You've just signed a new contract extension. We've seen the success you've had at Lake Superior. What has made this fit so well for both of you? A great question. Um, you know, it's uh, it's been a journey. Uh, you know, there were some some tough years early on, and um, you know, I, I think ultimately you got to get the right people around yourself, and certainly in the locker room. And uh, we've been able to kind of you know grow that way into the head coaching role, and then assemble the right team from assistant coaches and uh, certainly the locker room as well. Um, you know, I think for me and my family. Um, you know, we, we came over from Michigan Tech. We spent four years uh, over in Houghton in the UP and uh, I think going into year seven now. And if I can make it through the six year extension, it'll be uh, 17 years or so in the Upper Peninsula, uh, you know, which, which is a place that we just really love uh, to raise our kids, uh, the quality of people, the passionate fan bases. Um, so it's a place that we really enjoy, and, and that's one of the best fits for us is just raising our children here, being, um, you know, an active member of this community, and then certainly the passion for, for hockey throughout the UP, but certainly here in Sault Ste. Marie, uh, we've got this unbelievable history and tradition here at Lake State with, you know, Hall of Fame coaches, legendary players, national championships, and uh, it, it's just a great place to be, and, um, you know, so we're excited that we can continue on, and have the stability and uh, keep growing, you know, where we haven't reached our ultimate goal of hang that national championship banner uh, up in the rafters once again. And uh, that's the journey we want to keep on. How close do you think you are to that goal? Uh, well, I, I think it, it changes, you know, obviously coming off a couple of good years, uh, three seasons ago now, I think we had 24 wins, which was uh, I think fifth, sixth in the country and in a really good team. Um, you know, took a little step back the year afterwards, at least the first half with a really tough schedule that we built throughout the season. And we saw this year coming. We knew we had a good group. We knew we, knew we had good talent in the locker room and um, obviously such a unique year for everybody to live through this pandemic. Um, so nobody knew if we'd even been playing games, let alone how good our team would be. But we liked our group, uh, thought we had a chance to be competitive and, and, and fight for championships. And we were able to do that. And I think, you know, getting back to the tournament, now it's just a couple wins. So uh, we've seen that over many years in the NCAA. UMass is one of those teams this year, winning it for the first time ever. Um, so, you know, you just got to get there. And um, we think we can get back with the group we have. And that's certainly the goal, uh, you know, win another championship and, and get back to the NCAAs. Was that a nice feeling? You mentioned making the NCAA tournament this year, won the WCHA tournament title there. Was that good, even if it's not the national championship, to see some of those goals get checked off and to know we're building this? Well, I think it's an important part of the process. And, you know, like I said, you know, there, there were some tough years early on. And, um, you know, you question the things you're doing and you question if you can get there. 
um, you know, but we, we stayed with who we were and, and the way we wanted to build this program and the people we wanted in it. So yeah, it, um, th there was some great highs to, to those accomplishments. And, um, you know, I think people started to doubt if Lake State could get back to that level. It had been a long time, I think 26 years since we'd won a, a championship or hung a banner. Um, so it, it was good. You know, the, uh, the, the WCHA playoff championship was great vindication. Um, you know, we had a really strong year and a great group, uh, great leaders inside of our locker room as well with our players. And so I think for them, you know, they came back, our seniors, and they kind of talked about unfinished business. You know, we'd taken some good steps. Uh, we'd really improved, but we hadn't gotten over the hump there. So that was important for the group in our locker room, certainly for our fans and, you know, uh, even more so in this pandemic to give people something to be excited about and passionate about was really a, a great experience. And, uh, you know, I think that the only uh, tournament when we saw the matchup with UMass um, and then getting into pre-scout and looking at their team, um, I think two teams that played a very similar style and we knew it was a really tough matchup. And um, I think after the game, one of my assistant coaches, Mike York, said it was the best team he'd seen in his, I think, four years here at Lake State. So, um, you know, real kudos to them. They, they, they earned it. And they deserved it. Um, but ultimately, we fell short. You know, we, we weren't satisfied with just getting back to the NCAA tournament. Our, our goal was to, you know, win that first game and keep moving on and, and make it through the Frozen Four. So, um, you know, some good vindication, no question, but also, you know, some disappointment and some tough, uh, tough memories because we fell short of the ultimate goal. You mentioned the struggles early on when you took over the program. And it's a program that, you know, had great success 20 few years ago, a few decades ago. They were or 30 years ago, maybe now, but um and getting their back there now but when you took over you had eight wins I think your first year how do you build a program from that point to this point where you're in a national picture yeah great question um you know it, it takes a lot you know and it takes everybody and I know you know coaches talk about it business leaders talk about it you know who you have in that locker room or you know they'll say on the bus you got to get the right people on the bus and uh, there's no question that's a big part about it, uh, a big part of it, and, and that took some time and weeding through some things and learning some lessons as a first-time head coach and a young head coach. Um, you know, I, I think uh, my last few years at Michigan Tech with Mel Pearson was was a big learning curve. All, all, all my past experiences were, you know, time with Rick Comley and playing for Ron Mason, some of some legends in college hockey. Uh, but those last few years, and, you know, we built that Michigan Tech from six wins, the number one team in the country. And, um, you know, I learned a lot from that time and, you know, mirror some of that. And, you know, we came in and changed our style of play from day one. You know, looking back, was that the best move? Maybe not. We probably weren't built to play uh, the way that I knew we wanted to play. And I'm not sure I would have changed it. I still think, you know, ripping the bandit off and, and being who we wanted to be was, was probably good for us in the long run. Um, but, uh, you know, we didn't, we need to make a lot of adjustments through that. And then going out and recruiting, uh, the hockey player that fits at Lake state, um, because we're unique, we're not for everybody. And we know that, and we're, we're really honest in our recruiting and, uh, we're really diligent in our recruiting to find players that not only talent wise fit what we want to do and, and help us get to the highest levels. And, um, I think people are surprised, you know, that, that three years ago, those 24 wins, Diego Cuglietta led the nation in goals and, um, I think a lot of people think you have to go to Denver or Boston College or something like that to lead the nation in goals, but we're able to find those players and recruit them here to Lake State and uh, just just keep building with that. You know, we, we want to find the right players and get the right people on the bus and, you know, be who we are. I think we're a very connected team. Um, you know, our staff's young enough that we have what I think is strong relationships with our players 
And I think that's really important today's game with today's players. They, they want to be connected. They want to know why you're doing things and they want to be involved in the process. And, uh, you know, we, we really enjoy that. It's a, it's a very connected team and uh, we've got to be careful in our recruiting that we don't get away from that and try to change who we are because that's worked really well for us. You mentioned, said you're unique and you want to recruit a certain type of player. So who kind of is that target for you or what are you looking for? Yeah, uh, you know, it can vary a little bit. I mean, like I said, you know, we, we want to be high skilled. We want those Diego Cuglietas and Max Humitzes who are, you know, leading the nation in goals and top five in goals. Uh, you know, Merrick Smittens this year, a Richter Award finalist. So there's no question, um, you know, you've got to find elite hockey players. And I think we'll be able to do that. Uh, but I think in, in, you know, a lot of kids, you know, they're, they're probably first choice is not to come up to a smaller city and a smaller campus. Um, and, and again, we're just honest in the recruiting process about that. If you're looking for the big city or you're looking for some of those uh, things, then uh, we're probably not going to match up all, all that well with those type of players. Uh, but kids who are committed to the game and, you know, are here to be hockey players and get a great degree and then go on to pro hockey, they're going to be a great match. Um, and that goes from our staff, from our facilities, our history. Um, you know, we're very fortunate to have Mike York on our staff who played 10 years in the National Hockey League, he's a former NHL All-Star. And, uh, you know, we tell all our guys that, you know, we, we've got a guy sitting across the desk from me that uh, did everything you dreamed of doing. And with our, our facilities, our, our staff, uh, the players around you, uh, we can help the guys, you know, reach those levels. And they're going to get a great degree that's very personalized and very crafted to what they want to do as well. If you notice the change, maybe the last couple of years, does winning attract more players or make more players think about you or take that visit? No question. It, it does. It's a big difference. We saw that same thing at Michigan Tech as we built over there. Um, you know, it, it's players a little bit. It's certainly advisors. And I think not only with winning, it's style of play. Um, you know, the, the NHL is such a great product right now. And, you know, we're all watching a great playoff run. Um, you know, and, and kids see those players and they want to play like Kale McCarr or, you know, Matthews or whoever it may be. So I, I think, you know, playing a, an up-tempo, puck possession, skilled style is a part of it. And then when you start doing that along with winning, um, it really opens a lot of eyes. So you have to play the right way. You have to develop and you have to move players along. And so I think advisors is a big piece as well. When advisors believe in you and that you can help develop their players, um, you know, that really opens up some channels recruiting wise. That's important to do. We've seen, and it's still going on, the NCAA making lots of changes with the trans allowing players to transfer the name engine likeness that they're talking about coming how big of an impact are those having in keeping, you know, recruiting your current players and stuff that maybe you, maybe the smaller school can offer the players that more, you know, marketing opportunities, maybe that they would get lost if they're at a big 10 school or something. Yeah. And, and, you know, a new world to all of us, like you said, this is our first go around through it. So we're all kind of learning and have our eyes wide open on it. Um, you know, our, our program was affected by the, the transfer portal and, um, it's something, you know, we're going to have to continue to learn and, and best maneuver within. Um, you know, we also have three or four transfers on our team this past year and the year before that we've used it before the portal and the, the immediate eligibility was in place. Um, so I think, you know, again, that, that youth, the ability to be you know, quick on your feet and adaptive will be important. Um, I, I think, you know, this is very early on in, in this process. So I think it's going to be who could be nimble is going to be very important on it. And same thing with the name image likeness, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, a little bit of an untapped market. 
And I think, like you said, um, you know, hockey schools like Lake State, that, that might be an advantage of them instead of going to, you know, maybe a Big Ten school where there's football and basketball, things like that, that have a little bit more of the community, um, you know, at their forefront. Um, at a place like Lake State, you know, anywhere you go in this town, people know you're a Laker hockey player. And there could be some really good opportunities for our, our student athletes to, to use that to, you know, um, help catch up or get ahead or, you know, start some of that, uh, that business side of hockey. Talked about this a couple of times. What is the importance to this program, to that community at large for people who haven't gotten to be there? Well, I, I'm, I'm certainly biased, you know, because it's what I live and breathe every day. Um, but, you know, I've been here long enough to know that it, that's a huge part of it. You know, not, not everybody's a hockey fan. And so I'm always, Try to be a little bit careful and obviously our, our academics we're, we're proud of our academics and have made you know really great strides and a really unique education because of our size where you you know you have great relationships with your professors not only when you're here but for lifelong and i tell everybody um my i think it was my first year and we put one of our our national championship teams into the hall of fame and these guys were coming back and they were now probably mid-40s and they're walking up and hugging their professors and i was blown away because my professor sure as heck didn't know who I was at school. And, um, you know, I, I probably barely remember them if it wasn't a TA or GA or things like that. So, um, you know, relationships at this school are so important. And that carries over to town. You know, when you walk around a town of our size, you, you, you know a lot of people and um, you have a chance to really impact them. And, uh, and then I think Laker hockey, like you said, we're a hockey town. We, we share a border with Sioux, Ontario, who has the Greyhounds and they're another hockey town. Um, so, you know, it's important, you know, Friday night in Sault Ste. Marie, it's, it's about Taffy Abel Ice Arena and, and coming out and, um, you know, cheering on the team and having a good time. And uh, we made really big strides that way. And I, I think that was probably one of the biggest um, highlights as, as this season wrapped up and we came home from Mankato in the WCHA championship and we had, you know, a big rally and, and it just kind of came together almost spontaneously and a great turnout of people welcoming the team back. And then as that kind of faded or, you know, moving into the NCAA is just, just the people that reached out and said, you know, we really needed it in a year like this year where so many have struggled and gone through hard times, you know, to have the season we had and, and bring some excitement and some pride and all those things, um, you know, that, that was really special. So to hear from so many fans was, was really appreciated. And uh, we tried to share a lot of that with our players as well, just the impact we have, um, you know, certainly in our community and across the college hockey world mentioned the border community and I looked at, I think it was February 2020 just before the pandemic you guys played a game in Ontario how why is that important to kind of incorporate that other you know the other side of the river there yeah it was awesome experience and it, you know we it, it's it was intended to be a yearly game and then COVID came in and, and wiped out the border and any opportunities that way so I do hope we get back to it you know in a post-pandemic world there's things kind of right themselves um, you know, but, but for, there, there's a lot of different reasons. Uh, we have a lot, first of all, a big alumni base over on that side. You know, there's a lot of students that, that come from Sioux, Ontario and settle over in Northern Ontario. So it's a chance for them to easily come support the team for our professors to reach out and other administrators to, to reach out and be engaged with our alumni base. Um, you know, from a hockey standpoint and, and recruiting wise, especially, you know, for those young kids in that community to see the NCAA hockey, it, it's, 
I'm always amazed that, you know, kids grow up six miles from our rink and now it's across international border and, you know, you got to get through customs and pay tolls and things like that. But they're literally six miles from our building and they really know not much about the NCAA, many of them, some of them do. Um, so, you know, from the hockey side of it and selfishly, it was a big opportunity to play in front of, you know, a very talented uh, hockey population that, that we want to recruit and make inroads on. And, and I think also, you know, in terms of support, I, you know, I hear many stories of, you know, back in the glory days and before customs and 9-11, things like that, there'd be a, a ton of Canadian fans would come to the Laker games. Um, you know, that's changed because of 9-11 and crossing the bridge and things like that. But, you know, we want to re-engage people that love our, our game and the NCAA hockey and, um, you know, try to get some of those fans back over. And, you know, maybe if the Greyhounds are gone or, you know, whatever the case may be, they can come back to Lake State and, and support our program. So we hope we get back. And I, I thought it was a great showing and a great turnout for year one of that. And too bad we were disrupted by by COVID. You guys are uh, moving into a new league, lots of the same teams, but going back in the CCHA, which you, I guess the older version you played in as a player, and I know probably have fond memories of, but what's going to be the advantage of this or what are you looking forward to about the new league? Yeah, there, there's a lot. I mean, um, you know, the, our, our footprint in, in terms of, you know, preparation and student athlete welfare, our footprint is greatly reduced. You know, we were, we were making multiple trips to Alaska uh, at times in previous years, it, it's just really hard, you know, the, the way the time zones to travel, um, you know, and you have to do it to pre prepare to be a pro there, there's some tough trips and some grinds, but in a college season on top of academics and things like that, it got really challenging to do. So there, there's a, there's a condensing of the footprint that, that looks really good on paper when you're looking at budgets, when you're looking at rest recovery and preparation. Um, and we were just doing some of that before we, before this call started and it's, uh, it's exciting. Um, the league is going to be, you know, really, really talented. It's going to be an awesome league full of, uh, you know, great hockey every single night. Uh, you go to Ferris State, who was in the Frozen Four just a few short years ago, to, to Mankato, who set the bar uh, over the last six, seven years, not just in the CCHA or the WCHA, but really across college hockey. Uh, so there's no easy nights, and that's going to make for a really elevated level of play. Um, I think it'll help recruiting as well, where we're, the, the, the cities we're playing in, the, the competition we're playing every night, I think it could elevate our recruiting prof profile as well. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, for our fans, you know, again, that, that footprint, you know, many years ago, you know, uh, in the old CCHA, uh, you know, fans, it wouldn't be uncommon to travel down to a lot of road games or get them in our building. That went away a little bit because of our footprint, and that's going to come back a little bit here with that that condensed uh, size of our of our league and the location. So um, really, really exciting. We've got great leadership with Don Lucia. Um, Don's doing a great job to kind of launch us and get us going and, uh, you know, really looking forward to, you know, selfishly and personally, I'm really excited about, uh, you know, the Mason Cup. Uh, you know, I played my college hockey for Ron Mason. Coach Mason started the Laker program. Um, so, you know, the Lakers got to come out gunning. We want to we want to find a way to capture the Mason Cup and honor Coach Mason. And, um, you know, that's another just uh, highlight of the league is, is honoring the great uh, coaches and players that have come through the CCHA. Perfect segue to, to my next question, because I'm going to ask you about the Mason Cup and Ron Mason. I imagine he had a big impact on you. What, what was it like to play for him? Yeah, it's kind of, you know, the laboratory is what I like to say. And, um, you know, living, living in coaches world, now it is a long time ago. I graduated in 01. So, you know, the game has changed the way you recruits changed. I think the way you coach and relate to players changed, uh, but have a chance to play for, you know, what's probably the best coach in, in the history of the NCAA was remarkable. 
um, you know, with the preparation, the organization, uh, the way he he commanded a room, it just just lessons on a daily basis of how you know I always you know dreamed of running my own program and then the things I would do to emulate coach coach and, and steal the best things he did from him. Um, so yeah, it was a laboratory every single day. You, you didn't quite know what to expect with coach, uh, but very fortunate to get to play for him. And you know uh, we had a great staff with Dave McAuliffe and Tom Newton, and um, you know the players who came through here. So he he had built a, a great culture. Obviously, you know, a, a tremendous team. I think, you know, a couple of my years, we were like 33, six and five and uh, just great teams and won a lot of championships and, and you know, learned how to carry ourselves on a day-to-day basis, how to approach the game like a pro with habits and details. And same thing in the classroom, in the community. Uh, you know, Ron just demanded excellence from us and everything we did. And, um, you know, it was, was an unbelievable experience for a, for a young hockey player. And I think even back then I had an idea that, that coaching interested me. So it was a little bit different uh, when I was in those meetings or just day to day, you know, a piece of me always knew I, I kind of dreamed of uh, being in a room like Coach Mason. So, you know, took a couple extra notes and followed maybe a little bit more closely than guys who just wanted to play hockey and then made me move on after hockey. There's something in your style or the way you approach things that you think that's a direct tie back to him or that you learned from him? Um, yeah, no question. I mean, I, like I said, I, I've had the opportunity to work for some great coaches uh, a lot and, and play for coach Mason. So I think you're, you know, if you're uh, cognizant and paying attention, you know, you want to, you want to take the best things from everybody you're with and, and maybe some things you don't like and say, I'll do this a little bit differently. But um, you know, I, I think for coach, the, the, the details and the preparation were off the charts. You know, I, I don't think we ever went into a game or a weekend and teams had out prepared us or, you know, had better habits or details than we did. So, you know, that that's one of the big ones. Um, I think the game just demands preparation and details. You know, we want to be creative and skilled within our structure and the way we play. Uh, but we want to make sure our players, you know, have an understanding of what our expectations are and the way we want them to play. And, and then again, use their skill set, use their creativity to play within that. So that, that was a big piece of it. And then just, uh, you know, the professionalism with the way Ron carried himself, whether it's, you know, I, I remember when I was, you know, 18, 19, and we had to wear a suit flying to Alaska. I didn't enjoy it that much back then as a, as a young kid, but, you know, we're coming down to a pregame meal in a full suit. But, um, you know, there's a reason why Ron did what he did. And, um, you know, it was great to learn from him. So there, there's a lot of the preparation, the details that we took from him. I know, uh, I, I think with Sean Walsh and George Guazdecki, you know, they came up at, at some point with a, a process or uh, keys that were critical to winning. And that, that's something we've kept alive. We've kind of adjusted them over the years as the game has changed and, um, you know, tweaked them to our, our teams and the way we play. But, um, you know, and that's lived on. I, I think George used that at Denver for many years. I know Sean used it. Uh, I think Jim Montgomery's used a, a version of that from places he's been as well. So, uh, you know, his, um, you know, his legacy certainly lives on with the way we do a lot of things here at Lake State. What was it about coaching, I guess, that appealed to you then or that's kept you in this profession for the rest of your life? Oh, you know what? I, I don't know what I can tell you. I, I'm not sure, you know, if, if there was a certain area or what it was beyond just a, a real passion for the game. Um, you know, I, I think that's probably it. You know, and I, I mentioned Coach York earlier in the podcast, too. I think, you know, Yorkie's kind of the same way. And when he when he joined us, I think four years ago, he said if his body would let him still play, he'd still be playing. But his, his body's, you know, uh, just just, you know, can't handle anymore. So I think that's a big part of it. You know, just just 
loving the game so much and, you know, what it meant for me and my family. Um, you know, I went, you know, my parents went through a divorce when I was in middle school. And I remember in my college days, you know, both sides of the family at the games and after Saturday night game, we're all out to dinner together and it didn't matter, you know, what had gone on it, you know, for me and for my family, it pulled us all together. Uh, it gave us some of our greatest memories, you know, Great Lakes Invitational as a kid, Great Lakes Invitational as a player, you know, winning the Great Lakes Invitational uh, a couple, two, three years ago in Lake State as the head coach was, you know, a real highlight. And again, I, you know, I, I've lost my dad, but, um, you know, to have my parents there, my brother, who's been so supportive. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's just been, it's been our whole family, you know, my poor mom, you know, she's outnumbered by all us boys and all the males who all coach and are part of it. But, um, you know, she's been our biggest supporter. Uh, but yeah, it's just been a love for the game of hockey and, and all the opportunities and avenues it's provided for me and my family. And um, that, that's all I've known. And uh, every now and then you think about, you know, boy, it'd be nice to have a weekend off or, you know, some stability. We're not moving again. And then I'm like, well, what would I do? I have no idea. All I do is no hockey and, and, and coaching and, and being with the players. Um, so that's it. Love for the game is, is kind of what uh, attracted me and, and why I'm still here, uh, you know, moving forward. How'd that love develop as a kid? How'd you get into it? You know, I don't know. Older brother, you know, was probably part of it. I, you know, hockey wasn't big. We grew up in Flint, Michigan, which, you know, was not a real hotbed back then. We had a, a rink, I think one ice sheet back then. Had a friend or two, but hockey was not big, but there's like, like the Ralston brothers, um, you know, came to Lake State and they were from, I think, Fenton or Flint, one or the other. Uh, the Sass brothers actually came to Lake State as well, but Paul Sass was a goalie in Fenton. I was a goalie most of my life as a young kid. And so a couple of people in the area that played, my uncle played just a little bit. My brother got into it and certainly anything my big brother was doing, I wanted to do. And, um, you know, so that was it. It wasn't much. And then just, just hooked, you know, it was I was one of those kids. My, my grandma had a pond and uh, she lived in a small town in Swartz Creek, just outside of Flint. And, you know, we'd go there in the winter and you couldn't drag me off the pond. And uh, we lived on a dirt road. So, you know, couldn't rollerblade or anything like that, except stuff from the basement. So we'd be rollerblading for hours in the basement and, you know, uh, shooting pucks at the washer and dryer and banging everything up and breaking everything around the house. Um, so, you know, it just, I was hooked as a five, six year old. That's all I ever wanted to do. And, um, you know, it's kind of been a love affair, affair ever since. Talked a little bit earlier, but you played on some great Michigan State teams back when you were in college. Uh, did that experience help you at all getting back to the NCAA tournament in the, as a coach, knowing that you've been there and kind of going back to the, that experience? I, I think a little bit. I mean, I, as a player, you know what? And, and somebody was texting me the other day about it's so much harder as a parent, but um, as a player, you just show up and play. Like, it's not. It's hard. You got to be talented. You got to work. I mean, there's a huge commitment level, but you know, when you're in the middle of a playoff run or a tournament, or at least for me back then, like, Hey, I'm going to go to the hotel. I'm going to take my pregame nap. I'm going to jump on the bus and I'm going to go show up and give it my all, you know, sleep, do it again, rinse, repeat kind of thing. So, um, you know, there's a little bit of benefit point from that being, being in those situations. I'll tell you like the great lakes invitationals. Um, we went out to Maine in the icebreaker a couple of years ago uh, some of those tournaments, I think, as a coach, have been a little bit more helpful where you've got four teams, your pre-scouts dependent on who wins the other game. Um, so I, I think that was a little bit more than looking back at my time as a player um, at, at Michigan State. You know, we, we were a tournament team all four years and, um, you know, a couple of frozen fours, but never won at all. And um, so there's some things maybe I learned um, about how I want to run my team to give our team 
the opportunity to take more ownership and accountability from within the locker room in those environments. Um, but I think as a player, it's just so much different. So it wasn't a huge impact in preparation for the NCAA tournament this year. They want to ask about one of your teammates from there, Brian Miller, who just retired and had a great career. What, what was he like playing with 20 years ago? Yeah, unbelievable. You know, it's, uh, and I'll, I'll just give you a quick story. Uh, my, my freshman year, my roommate was a kid named Joe Blackburn. And uh, Joe, Joe uh, was a goalie, and we were roommates that freshman year. Our, our senior goalie that year was Chad Albin, who was a Hobie Baker candidate. And we, I think we had five or six losses, an unbelievable team. So Joe had to back up Chad that year. Then sophomore year, Joe wins the starting job, and he's an All-American goaltender and, and had a great year. Another really good team, won a couple championships. And then our junior year, Miller moves in, and, and they're competing. And, and it didn't take long for Ryan to win the job. So you know, my, my poor roommate goes from an All-American goaltender um, to backing up, you know, Ryan Miller, who went on to set and break every single record, you know, that was out there and just just unbelievable. Uh, I think it was um, Steve Jackson, you know, came up with a nickname and this carried in practice as well in games. We called him Unscore Honorable. And it was amazing because in practice, you know, you barely you had you had Joe Blackburn at one end, All-American, very different style. And then Ryan at the other end. Um, and just, you know, practices, we didn't score much. Like it was unbelievable, the competition, uh, but that was it, you know, his drive, his competition, you know, there's a whistle could blow and everybody's sprinting back up to meet coach Mason at the board. And you, you turn around to shoot on an empty net and Ryan would dive and save it. So he just, he never wanted to get scored on. He was so competitive and, um, you know, so a great time with Ryan. I remember when, you know, when he won the Hobie Baker and, and celebrating with Ryan and his family and our families with the Hobie Baker award. And uh, just obviously, you know, one of the, the, the top American goaltenders of all time an unbelievable career. So, um, you know, a little sad to see it come to an end, but we're all getting to that age where it's amazing. He's hung on as long as he did and just uh, an unbelievable uh, goaltender and a great story uh, for Ryan and his family. Can't appreciate the time enough. Thank you so much. This has been fun. Enjoy the summer and good luck and hope you get that banner next year. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you having me on and uh, we'll be we'll be grinding for it on the hunt for another championship. Thanks again to Damon for coming on the show. If you enjoyed the conversation, please check out previous episodes in the archives. You can subscribe to Inside the Barn on Apple, Spotify, and Google. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Ober. Thanks for listening.